The Marriage Project is a community organization that exists to educate a future generation while encouraging and inspiring hope for this one through the portrait of God's design for marriage. It is a collective of stories from couples spanning across the nation and globe to share with you the hope they have found in Jesus. This is a one-stop shop to hear how God has impacted each life here and to shine light and shed light on what our part is in his plan. Welcome back to another episode of the Marriage Project Podcast. I am here with Seth and Danielle McAnally, and we are in 29 Palms, California, and they are going to be sharing with us their testimony behind their matrimony, and I just got finished telling them that I'm going to let them introduce themselves because it's a fully loaded introduction. They are both a dual mill couple. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to learn the lingo. So I'm going to hand it over to them. They can say hello and introduce themselves and just tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do. You're more than being just in the military. I know that. But tell us just more about your role and what you're doing. Yeah. And why you're here in 29 Palms. Uh, So I'm Danielle. I am a Marine. Um, I'm a supply officer. So pretty much anything fiscal related or any procurement of items for my unit. Um, I'm in charge of that, the overall budget um, of my unit and then executing that budget throughout the fiscal year. Um, I didn't really have a choice in coming to 29 Palms. Uh, I got orders first. uh, So the way that they do orders is they say East Coast, West Coast, or overseas. And mm. I put West Coast hoping for San Diego. And then they said 29 Palms, uh, California. So um, <laughs> that's how I got here. Yeah. And if you guys aren't familiar with 29 Palms, let's describe it for everybody. We're in the desert. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> All the time. We're by Joshua Tree National Park. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, that is a plus. It's um, nice. Pioneer Town areas. Unique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's drier than San Diego. Yes. And seeing grass is definitely mm. um, uh, something we don't see every a day. Rarity. Yeah. Yeah, a rarity. That sand is your yard. Yeah. And I'm Seth. Um, I'm with the 2nd Battalion, 7th Marines. I'm an infantry officer. Um, realistically, my job is just to walk around and uh, shoot guns. I'm currently an executive officer of a line company. Uh, so I don't really have Marines under me, underneath me right now. Uh, I more or less handle the logistical coordination of about 150 other Marines and facilitate their training realistically. And I guess how I got here, first I knew Danielle got to 29 Palms, but I had always wanted to come here because of the mission set that 7th Marine Regiment has. Um, before I got here, they were the ones going to, to the Middle East um, that was something that I was interested in doing, but uh, as soon as I got here, that mission set changed a little bit. Mm. Do they question? Do they send people here for the Middle East because it's similar, like terrain, or does that have nothing to do with it? Is it just that that has something to do with it um, for mm. sure? The Commandant of the Marine Corps pushed something out in, I believe, it was 2019 that said Seventh Reg was tailor made to fight the battle in the Middle East because of the terrain that we handle mm. on a daily basis. Wow. So cool. So many questions. And thank you guys for your service. I mean, it's really just, yeah, just such a sacrifice. And you guys are here. And it's as you said that you wanted to come here and then Daniel was placed here. I just feel like there's some sort of divine hand yes. in that from God. Yeah. 
Definitely, because I think my, like I said, I really wanted San Diego when I right. go to the West Coast, but now seeing 29 Palms versus San Diego, I would never choose San Diego. Wow. We don't like big cities, do not like traffic, we like the heat, and I went down to San Diego for some training, and I was like, 60 degrees, this is way too cold, <laughs> I do not like this. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I believe that it was divine intervention, and wow. we were able to be co-located. So. Right, which we'll get into what that is. And so you guys have a testimony, how you came to Christ, um, can tell that briefly, and then how that intertwines with how you two met. Yeah, definitely <laughs> intimately related. Um, so I grew up in the church uh, from the very beginning, and I was actually thinking about it earlier today. To me, it seems like my dad has been a pastor for my entire life. But it's not entirely true. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly when he became a pastor. I think it was around when I was seven or eight. Um, but I was raised in the church, heavily involved in the youth camps and all of that stuff. And then uh, went off to college and did the college thing and stayed involved in that. Um, and I met Danielle. We actually went to the Naval Academy Preparatory Schools where we met. Um, and... I'll say the Danielle that I know now was not the Danielle that I met then. Um, and that was an awesome transformation to see for sure. But um, we were we were very close uh, at the prep school. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll hand it over to Danielle because my, my testimony more or less is a little short and sweet. Uh, so for me, I grew up Catholic. Um, I'm pretty devout Catholic. There was definitely a point where I was considering um, being a nun. <laughs> But I think that was only because I had a really cool basketball coach who was a nun, and I thought that was like the coolest wow. thing ever. You could be a nun and like and still like dribble between your legs and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I went to Catholic school my whole life, um, and then in high school I went through a pretty wild period of like drinking and partying, and yeah, just I didn't really have a faith. I went to school and we had like a religion class where I don't even remember opening the Bible in the religion class. It was um, studying like the catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we met at the preparatory school, you invited me to a Bible study once. And I was like, I thought he was really cute. Um, and I, at the time had really, really short hair. Like I was not, there was like no <laughs> attractive factor. Um, uh, it might be worth putting a picture of. That. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to have to ask for that. <laughs> the military does a good job of knocking you down to oh the bare minimum. But, um, yeah, so he invited me to a Bible study, and I only went because I was, like, trying to meet this guy. And um, he invited me to the non-denominational service as well. Um, and so through that Bible study and that service, um, I – just started to, I guess, know the Lord. Um, because previously I I didn't have a relationship with him. I thought I had a relationship with like saints and, um, different figures throughout Mm -hmm. the Catholic church, but it was nothing compared to, um, the intimacy of knowing Christ. And so, um, as we went on to the Academy after you're at the prep school, um, that's when I decided that, well, actually his mom brought it up. She's like, have you ever considered being baptized? And I was like, I was baptized as an infant and like that covers everything. And she was like, well, um, you should think about it because it's, it really is a public proclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up getting baptized in our church there. Um, and I think ultimately I, I wouldn't change anything about, um, 
how I came to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely didn't know the, the rifts that it would put um, on a lot of like familiar relationship, familial right. relationships. And um, yeah, cause I think when I chose to get, get baptized a second time mm-hmm. um, and truly be baptized for myself, uh, a lot of the reaction was, why would you do that again? Right. Uh, what are you doing? And so it's pushback. Yes. And it's definitely, it's been a, a learning process and a growth and how to communicate um, our relationship with God to our, my Catholic side of the family. Right. Um, wow. So from there, you got baptized. So were you guys dating at that point yet? Or you knew his family, it sounded like, because mm-hmm. you knew his mom. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Were we dating? Or maybe just interested. I think or... I think we were dating. I think that was youngster year. Yeah. Our, our sophomore year. Okay. Okay. Um, of the Naval Academy, which is when we started dating. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So it was, I think it was early on. Yeah. Okay. But I, I we knew when we started dating, there was definitely like, talks of marriage because mm. D- Danielle had at that point Danielle had come and visited Texas or was where I'm from and met my entire family and like spent a significant amount of time just getting to know us mm. and um I correct me if I'm wrong but I think my mom really poured into you mm. yeah. um as uh, a more seasoned believer into Danielle who was really searching right for the truth um and so we we've been around. I visited Danielle's family, okay. and so when we started dating, right, uh, things were already well. I was like three weeks, and I was like, Danielle, I love you. And oh, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> that's sweet. Uh, well, so how did you guys um, did make the decision to go into that? Was it prep school in Annapolis? Right? Was it that school, or not? Was it not that school yet? The prep school was in Newport, Rhode Island. Gotcha. Um, so we were there for a year, and then if you got stayed out of trouble and got good grades, then you could go on to the academy. And go, going there was very much not our choice. It was more yeah. for the academically challenged. Wait, okay, which was me. Okay. I needed that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this is definitely the brains of the family. I, I do believe that is a little bit of divine intervention as well when yeah. you think about it because not to toot my own horn, but realistically, I, I did not need that extra right, year. Right. I just really, really struggled with the SAT. But if you put me in a classroom, I'm fine. Good. Yeah. So. Well, and you're from Missouri, Danielle, and you're yes. from Texas. So how did you guys end up in Rhode Island? So it was because of that. It was yeah. that particular school that mm-hmm. you had to attend if you wanted to get to the academy. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. And there was only, our class was like 250. So oh, there wow. wasn't that many. Yeah. And we were in the same platoon. Oh, okay. And so that was, what, maybe 30 people? Yeah. Yeah, so that in itself, we, I don't know if we've ever – because I, I had some friends in other platoons, but your right. real your core friendships were usually within your platoon. So. Okay. So what is a platoon? A, a platoon oh. is just like a oh. designator of a certain amount of people. Like a cohort. Yeah. yeah. And then kind of yeah. exactly. in a yeah. different way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you guys were in the same platoon then. Mm-hmm. And so would you say you graduated the academy around the same time? Yeah, same we were. Year? Yeah. So we went there. Okay. So NAPS is what we called it. Naval Academy Prep School. NAPS, we went there for a year. Okay. And then we went to Annapolis, Maryland for four years. Yeah. And then we graduated. Okay. Same day. Wow. And so were you guys married yet at that point? When did you guys get married? So no, yeah, timeline. So, so you guys are in NAPS. Mm-hmm. At what time was that? That was back in 2013. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you graduated 2017 18. or 18. Okay. Okay. 
and then so we so we started dating our sophomore year and then um the beginning of your junior year the the academy makes you um sign a contract that basically says uh you'll give two more years of school for five years of active service and so um we knew that contract was coming up and i was kind of on the fence about it um I didn't really know if the military was for me or not. And so we, like Seth said, we were, he said he loved me after three weeks and we were talking about marriage and stuff. And so uh, that summer before signing the contract, we both flew home to Missouri and he talked to both my parents. I don't really know what happened. Yeah. So I I had this grand idea that I, I wanted to ask Danielle to marry me that summer. Uh, I had everything in place. I uh, just needed to say the go ahead and then like everything, the dominoes would fall and Danielle would fly to Texas the following week after I was going to talk to her parents and I would propose. Mm. Things did not go to plan mm. at, at all. Uh, when we got to Missouri, a long story short, both of her parents told me no um, and not so many words. Mm. And that really drove, yeah, it drove a divide in our relationship. Um, I was not expecting that at all, mm. realistically. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good portion of that was backlash for Danielle no longer being Catholic and, and not wanting to sign the contract. Yeah. So it's it kind of twofold. Danielle was questioning whether she actually wanted to continue life in the military. And she, in her parents' eyes, turned her back on the Catholic church and was now a Protestant. That second half of becoming a Protestant was laid mostly on me and my family, which I count that a blessing, honestly. Like, that's not a bad thing at all. But it definitely caused some trials and some tribulations and strained our relationship actually to the breaking point. Um, so when we got back, I'll pass it back over to Danielle. Yeah, I, I ended up signing the contract. I was scared because I, I didn't know what I would do on the civilian side. I didn't trust that, like, Seth would be able to provide. Um as a husband and I, I was still a fairly new believer. Um, and so my trust in the, in the Lord was not where it, it should have been. And so I ended up signing. And then that whole semester, not only mentally, because I had a lot of issues just trying to sort out what the next five years of my life were going to look like in, in a profession that I didn't want to do. And then also in our relationship, we just, it was just hard because when, once the trust was broken. That's really how I felt is that there was no trust anymore and that Daniel had chosen her family, her mom and dad specifically over choosing me, yeah. which like broke my heart and challenged me to grow in a lot of different ways. And I was resistant to grow in those ways for a long time because like, Danielle was my go-to, the only person that I really had at school that shared a solid background of faith. The military is a pretty secular place and it's hard to find those true believers who are actually pursuing their faith and pursuing the gospel in a meaningful way that actually pushes it to other people and not only like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but only for me, which is not at all. Not living it out. Not Yeah, like the Great Commission is pretty clear about what we're supposed to be doing. We spent about a year and a half broken up, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I'm telling you, this is the weirdest breakup anybody has ever seen. <laughs> yeah. 
because at that point we had already decided that we wanted to take all the same classes. <laughs> and so it's really hard to like get over somebody that you absolutely love and you want to spend the rest of your life with if you have to see them every Great. single day of your life mm -hmm. oh, and wow. hard enough where I'm going to tell you right now, it's impossible to actually get over them that way. Um, and we have the same friend group and oh, yeah. we eat all our meals together and uh, same sponsor parents of the people that we went to on the weekend. So, but little did we know we needed that because I, there was a lot of growth in my heart. Um, there's a Psalm, uh, that I'm like memorized during that time because it's put not your trust in earthly princes with whom there's no salvation. And that Seth was in my life at the time higher than Christ's relationship. And I wouldn't have been able to see that had we not had broken up. Yeah. And, and then, so you guys were with each other all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. inevitable. Absolutely. We ended up together and, again. Yeah. And then another stroke of, I'm going to call it divine intervention yes. again. Um, once we graduated, Marines have to go to six months of they call it the basic school. So Marine officers all go to the basic school. And graduating from Naval Academy, like a good chunk of us go immediately after we graduate. And me and Danielle both were in that first class. And God said, well, I'm going to keep you together. And so they, again, put us in the same platoon. And there's <laughs> 300 people in that class. And so I, I don't know what the probability of that is, but right. small, yeah, small, just like chance happening that me and Danielle were again going to spend every single day of every single week together. Wow. Yep. And so it was during the midst of TBS that we got back together. Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and then, so how did that happen? Where So did you reapproach her family or was it just that they came from a place of understanding or was that never really no. reconciled much well, you guys kind of just uh, so we tried we honored that for a little bit but yeah so it um danielle's dad and her relationship mm -hmm. had evolved from that point significantly mm -hmm. um i think due to growth on mm -hmm. danielle's part and her her dad's part too um seeing some maturity and seeing that danielle's actually no longer uh a kid in high school anymore, but a, gr a grown adult doing grown adult things. Right. Um, and so it was after that six month school that we graduated. And then I was staying in Quantico where that school's at, okay. where TBS is at. And Danielle was going first out to 29 Palms. Uh, and we graduated in December and I was staying there until March doing another school okay. to, to be an infantry officer. And during IOC, infantry officer course, I called uh, Jeff McIntosh and was like, Hey, I'm not taking no for an answer this time. That's what you said? No, no. absolutely not. Absolutely not. Or like the dream. Yeah. <laughs> so, please. Please, sir. I'll, I'll do anything. No. <laughs> yes. But I think at that point, um, he knew my heart and that I was not just some punk kid trying to do punk kid stuff, right. but that I was Seth McNally looking to make a family with Danielle and actually look out for her best interests. It was significantly better and right. easier. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But and so I see on your pillow, it was it's August. <laughs> I just happened to yeah. see yeah. that. <laughs> 2019. So you guys have been married two, going almost two years. Two years. Yeah. Close to. Wow. Yeah. But it's, we have not, we were think, talking about it the other day. I think we've only been 
physically together one year wow. mm-hmm. uh, because of deployments or training or um, yeah, just the, the different field ops that he has. Right. So I want to hear it. So infantry officer, like what does that entail? Cause I know you. So, yeah. Um, so when we got married, I was a platoon commander. So I had 40 Marines underneath my charge and I was in responsible for the training and tactical employment of those 40 dudes in any given situation. Um, and so I had that, uh, for when I got to 29 Palms for about a year and a half, uh, through the, my first deployment. And so realistically just administratively taking care of 18, 19, 20 year old Marines Mm -hmm. with a couple of senior guys to help me along is the first bit of what I did. And then once I got back from my first deployment, I got moved to mounted light infantry is what they call it. It was combined anti-armor team. Mm-hmm. And realistically, I had eight vehicles and still 40-ish Marines. And like our sole purpose in life was to go destroy enemy armored assets with the weapon systems that we had. So far, that was definitely the the peak of my Marine Corps career because the relationships that I got to build with those men in that platoon was so satisfying and rejuvenating and the amount of leadership and mentorship and teaching and development that I was able to pour into those men allowed me to show them a different kind of Marine officer that I don't think they've seen yet because the the training we go through is all the same. And so it's pretty easy to just fall within the box of what they're expecting to see. Um, It's different when you fall in the box, but also you're following Christ because you don't do the things that they're expecting you to do. You don't say the things that you're expecting them to say. And it's hard living that way, but people notice it. And at the end of the day, I will do absolutely anything for people to notice the difference and give me the opportunity to share my faith with them. And that happened multiple times. There's nothing that I would trade for that, those experiences. So was that domestically you did that? mission or so the cat Mm -hmm. combined anti-armor team was unfortunately only stateside um i I guess i didn't finish it um june 7th i went to a different battalion and that's where i'm at right now being the executive officer doing the logistical support stuff this is the low point of my (laughs) he's a little bit of an insight into what my job is yeah i i do all of the non-infantry things in an infantry company Uh -uh. it is it's sad (laughs) but there's still an opportunity to pour into the marines though yeah absolutely you're so close yeah and build those relationships and trust how long you spend with them Uh, different probably different every time if you're with a unit for Usually right around a year before okay. they move the officers around. I see. Um, well, it, it's different though for our jobs because I've yeah. been with my unit in the same job. Okay. And I will be for, yeah, mm-hmm. coming up on three years in January. Yeah. And then we'll move next summer right. somewhere. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so three and a half years. Okay. And the Marines rotate in and out um, depending on how many years they've been here. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it really depends on your job. And do they just send you where the need is or like you got the request for West Coast? So they do give you that option. So when you guys relocate next summer, will you have that option again, like to choose? Yes and no. Okay. Yeah, So it's a little bit different with, because we're going from Fleet Marine Corps to like 
admin Marine Corps, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, because we'll, we'll both be going to non-deployable units okay. for our next assignment. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're going through a slew of applications to try to gotcha. to get co-located and just stay together, mm-hmm. especially with a, a little one on the way. Oh, well, yeah. You said you're 25 weeks? Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. So you guys are unique in that you're in this together and you're co-located. So tell us about that a little bit that you don't see that often, first of all. And you just said you haven't been together more than maybe a year out of the two years of your marriage because of deployment. So how, what challenges have you guys faced or how does that look? How has that been for you guys and where do you draw your strengths from? And I know the answer is <laughs> Jesus, but just how, what you walked through, I guess. Well, I think yeah. as far as where we draw our strengths from, um, yes, definitely the Lord, but also we really value downtime, mm. especially because he's going, going, going all the time. Right. Our weekends, we do not, I mean, not that there's a whole lot to do in 29 times, but <laughs> We really value slow mornings, drinking coffee, reading together, or um, just sitting down and having a meal together because it's not a given every day. Um, so, or even just the nights that we actually like physically go to bed together and we're able to like pray with each other and stuff. That's so. I don't want to say uncommon, but it's just not a given. Like you don't take it for granted when yes, you have it. Definitely. Um, you're stationed here, right? Is the deployment more when Seth goes out, right? When you're yes. deployed? Cause... Yeah, because my unit's non-deployable. I didn't really have any deployment opportunities mm-hmm. um, in my time here, mm-hmm. which I was totally okay with because right. I'm kind of a homebody anyway. So. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the challenge is just the separation, but also with the separation, it forces us to grow individually in our faith and not only just as a couple right Uh, yeah i'd say some of the challenge for me and i alluded to this earlier is that the marine corps in its entirety is very very non-christian and then you zoom in further to infantry and it is very very Mm non-christian and so there's there's marines in my company that'll say that they're christians but again it's like Mm -hmm engage with me on a, a Christian basis is like that fellowship is what we need to thrive and survive. And that is very, very rare and few and far between. And so being apart from Danielle and not having that strong fellowship that is strengthened by the bond of marriage is incredibly challenging, especially when I'm gone. So I, so I left eight days August 18th, I left mm-hmm. to go to four months of training wow. in Bridgeport, California. And then I came back and then we were immediately just back into a crazy high op tempo of just coming back, going to the field, coming back, going to the field like every other week. Mm-hmm. And so even when I'm not deployed, I'm not like away doing some training, I'm still not here all the time. And when I'm not here... I'm surrounded by a group of a bunch of secular dudes who are talking about a bunch of secular things. And I'm like, it's not hard to extrapolate where a bunch of dudes minds in the field go to. And that is trying. And that is difficult uh, to find any sort of solace or like peace when you're surrounded by that sort of environment. But then you get to come home and it, like, like Danielle said, this is where we, the safe place of like Christ. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You, 
we get to pray together. We get to read our Bible. And the sad part about it though, is like, it's hard to divorce yourself from these two things in its entirety. And I think for a long time, we didn't do a good job of that. Yeah. Especially when we're newly married and first got here. So everything was new and like neither of us understood what we were getting into. And we did not do a good job of like seeking out fellowship with other Christian couples or even Christian individuals. Mm -hmm. We went to church for, a little while, but then, you know, 2020 rolled around and we had that easy out to like stop going to church because we didn't want to do the COVID stuff and all of that. Yeah. And then we just kind of stopped for a long time until just recently. So we were watching online, but right. it's definitely it's not the same. The same. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There's some strong convictions that I think both of us had that entire time because we had multiple conversations about it, understanding like this is not how you're supposed to live out your Christian life in isolation with one other Christian and then just launching yourself into a completely secular environment. Like you're not going to survive that way. No. Well, just like you're saying, there's such a correlation of what you do, of like the combat or the deployment. And I'm thinking as Christians, like the Bible really says, it's like you're a soldier, you're a soldier mm-hmm. for Christ. You're going out there and fighting a spiritual battle. And it's like, if you're not doing the training ground or prepping for that, it's like you walk into it unarmed almost. Right. Yeah. And that can, be really difficult if you're not in fellowship with others and I can see that is how trying and difficult yeah absolutely like, you can see the amount of training that I have to go through like the unit that I'm with has to go through just mm-hmm. to deploy to a first world country that is completely safe wow. we go through a year and a half of training mm-hmm. just to do six months in a, a completely safe environment where we're just going to do more training mm-hmm. and that is very much not the approach that we have to like our walk with faith. We're just like, I read my Bible. I pray every day. I'm good to go. Yeah. It requires significantly more than just checking the boxes. Right. Wow. And I I think, um, at least for me, because I had a background of, um, you know, partying and Mm -hmm. cussing and Mm -hmm. just living this immoral life. I mean, cussing specifically, Mm -hmm. that is such part of the Marine culture. Um, Sometimes I, I like have like a word on the tip of my tongue because it's not foreign to my language because there was a point in time where I would say all these really just vulgar things. And yeah. um, and I, I think there's been a few times where they've slipped and stuff yeah. was like, what? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that is all just uh, just going back to what Seth was saying. It, it is a constant battle of... Yeah. And I mean, when we were both stationed out here, but not married, people mm-hmm. were like, what do you mean you're not living together? Yeah, that's crazy. What are you like? What are you thinking? But that's also how I met one of my, she, she's since moved away, um, met one of my best friends because she heard that Seth and I weren't living together. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh, I want to be friends with her because oh. my husband and I didn't live together until we were married and we didn't like have sex or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they sound like they have the same ideals that we do. And then now we still have this like awesome friendship and she's across the world. So, Oh wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Blossomed out of that. Yeah. All just because Seth happened to mention to her husband that, yeah, we were living together. Yeah. So you guys are definitely lights in a very dark place. It just sounds like. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, I'm just thinking too. So for a wife, like you're here, he's deployed. So for the wives of military, um, 
our spouses, like, how was that? Oh, you said it was just a challenge. It's the same. You're there in the world with all of that around you and you're just here. It's yeah. quiet. <laughs> yeah. I had a great group of friends for his first deployment. So yeah. that, that really helped. And uh, the, the girl I mentioned earlier was yeah. also in that group of friends. Right, right. But even in the wives sector, mm-hmm. um, or, or I should say the spouses sector, yeah. um, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but there's a lot of, oh, I'm so glad my husband's gone, or oh, I'm so glad he's in the field. It's a nice break from him. And I mean, we definitely don't feel that way because we view our, our home and our time together as so, so sacred, but um, and that's that's kind of a culture in the Marine Corps as well. Right. But I've always found that striving to occupy my time in a fulfilling way, like growing in my face when he yeah. was gone, right. um, that helped the deployment go so much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it went that fast because <laughs> it's definitely it's still not long, yeah. six months or however long it was. There's also a lot of comparison. And I think with girls in general, there's a lot of comparison, but that's something that I noticed again with his, the workup before his deployment it was like, oh, well, your husband's not in the field. Oh, mine is for this many days or weeks or however long. Like, that must be so nice. You have it so easy. Or a wife's husband would come home from the deployment early. I'm like, oh, wow, that's so nice. You have it so easy. Like, woe is me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super easy to fall into because, yeah, you're right. You are sitting here alone and, like, mm-hmm. kind of twiddling your thumbs waiting yeah. for him to come home or to text or to call. Right. Um, and what does that look like? So when you're deployed, are you off the grid? Like you can't be on your phone, you can't text, call. So I, my last deployment, I spent six weeks in Okinawa, Japan, and then I went to Darwin, Australia. So two locations where you would be just fine going on vacation to. <laughs> and so I was very much on the grid because the environment we were in is so permissive that there's no threat of anything going on that I could call Danielle anytime that we weren't doing training ops and I had service. Okay. So, it, like, but that's not every deployment. There are those deployments where you are going completely silent okay. yeah. and they have to handle life completely alone. Right. Wow. Yeah. Make decisions once you have kids and family. Yeah. That's hard. Wow. Definitely. And so you said you're just there mainly for like a military presence, right? When you are sent out yeah. recently, because it wasn't, combat it was just yeah absolutely. am i saying that right yep absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. um <laughs> the, the deployment that i was on is really a strategic deterrence mission um and what well, like we just go and we train with partner nations mm-hmm. and so i'm going to be doing that same deployment uh but i'll be staying on okinawa japan this time training with the uh indo-pacific nations around there mm-hmm. and that's well, I'll do for six months here in about six weeks. Coming up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm them. You said that the other day. It's, it's only a couple of weeks of work left. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm ready. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's got to be just so hard. It's the goodbye and yeah. see you soon. But. And, but part of me is also like you'd almost rather it start because mm-hmm. that's when the clock starts. Yeah. The leading up to it is kind of hard, I think, because you're like, okay, I'm trying to like prep myself mentally and emotionally for him leaving. And then if you do that, I mean, maybe there's still a week left and you're like, okay, well just leave. So then you can get back sooner, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's just like the anticipation of something yes. where it's like, 
Yes. And him prepping or packing, I'm sure, yeah. and that type of oh, thing. Packing and... is the worst. <laughs> is it? Do you have like a what? Like a duffel? Or how do you pack? How do you, how do you pack? Uh, a couple <laughs> duffel bags okay. and then a giant backpack. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Call yeah. our, our, our ruck. It just takes all of our gear and okay. that's what we get to walk with. Oh, yeah. Wait, tell us. You said you just like walked to your training or the yeah. other night you guys had to walk eight hours mm-hmm. through the desert, right? Yeah. So it was, it was Monday night. We uh, went on a 17 mile walk and we were carrying about 50 pounds worth of gear with all of our weapon systems and all of that. And yeah, it took us about eight hours, but we got there. And then once we were there, we slept for about 45 minutes and then started shooting some guns. <laughs> That's so crazy that that's just part of it. They're like, yep. Yeah. Get walking. Well, it makes sense. I guess on just a closing thought or note, how has it been just like an honor? Like you guys are serving your country and I just think that's just such a an amazing thing and how that correlates to the sacrificial model of just Christ and how he came to serve. And yeah, just any blessing or just glory to God's story of like actively serving. Last week in our Bible study, we were talking about why people just dropped whatever they were doing to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were talking on the way back from that. And I think Christ is such a compelling leadership model um, because he was literally just saying, I'll make you fishers of men. And these guys were like, okay, we're in, we'll follow you. Um, And that's really what we strive to be as leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, Seth provides a really good example for me because my Marine, we don't really go to the field as much. We more have more of an office setting, but he'll come back from the field and talk about how they had a whole conversation about free will versus predestination, mm-hmm. which that like inspires me to kind of bring that up with my Marines and talk about, okay, well, what do you guys, do you guys believe in a higher power? Do you believe in God? Where, where do you guys stand with that? So through the gospels, like I said, Jesus it's just a great example yeah. that we try to follow and try to live out in our everyday lives. Because yeah. America is so unique in that. Like on Memorial Day, I think it was, they, everyone was posting, you know, Arlington Cemetery. And I just mm-hmm. noticed on the grave sites, it was like cross, yeah. cross, cross, cross. And I'm like, wow, it's because of that model of Jesus laying down his life. What differentiates this country from others is that that model of laying down your life and the sacrifice and serving others and just, yeah, the hands and feet of service. And really quick, Danielle, you mentioned your Marines. So how many are under you? Are you? Uh, I have eight. Eight. Okay. <laughs> are they women or men too? Or how um, does that look? I have two females. Okay. Um, and my, so I, I have a shop, okay. um, which is just an office space. Um, but it's so much different than Seth's experience in the Marine Corps. Because yes, sometimes there's some vulgar talk, but it's not as in your face, mm-hmm. I think, as uh, Seth being around younger men. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so a little bit different and we don't, I mean, we hike sometimes, but <laughs> maybe it's like six miles right. and not that heavy. And you said you're acquiring equipment. Right. Yes. Yeah. So do you have to like put in orders and like that mm-hmm. kind of thing? Wow. Yeah, it's all it's pretty much all computer based, and then we have yeah. a warehouse where the parts come in, and then we issue them out to the different um, commodities throughout our unit. Okay. But we run the um, it's called the SELF, the Strategic Expeditionary Landing Field. So it's where all of the aircraft come into Twenty Nine Palms. Um, so very cool. Yeah, it, but it's supposed to be expeditionary where you can like pick it up and move it. Yeah. Uh, 
but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's pretty heavy. So. Oh gosh, I bet. Oh my goodness. Do you guys have an end goal in mind? Like how much longer will you be active military or how does that work? Like how do you guys? Oh gosh, that's a million dollar question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, so the way our contracts work, we are not finished until 2023. Okay. Um, but if we accept orders in December and we end up moving, then we will incur two years, correct? Mm -hmm. Which you can serve in conjunction um, with your current contract. So I'm pretty ready to get out, especially with like a baby on the way. Uh, the idea of, yeah, dropping a three-month-old off at like a, a daycare um especially because we're so remote there's really not a whole lot of options right. um so it'll probably be the on-base daycare it's not my ideal parenthood by any means so we'll see what the next duty station holds but in order to be co-located and not basically single parent for a year uh, we're both gonna accept orders to our next duty station in hopes that we'll be together and then i'll probably get out from there I don't. I don't really know yet. Yeah. Um. I just figure it out as soon as it comes around. That's. I. I like what I do sometimes when it's like three a.m. and you're walking. You don't like it so much. No. But <laughs> it's really realistically, it comes down to my desire is to find some young men and mentor and teach and develop those guys. And so, yeah. if that path is in the military, then so be it. I will continue. In the military, but if God opens some doors in the next couple of years, then I have no problem taking that step of faith. Well, you're saying you might even want to teach eventually. Yeah, I yeah. think I would love to to be a professor somewhere. Yeah, um, I love learning. I love. I, I'm kind of a nerd. Yeah. We're so opposite. Ooh, then do you guys have good book recs? I always like to ask couples like Ooh. a good. I think it really, really depends on what you what like. Type? Yeah. Do you like historical fiction or? Excellent. Or what are are you currently reading something? I'm yeah. Yes. So we're both currently reading some nerdy books. Yeah, a couple, okay. a couple of fantasy novels. Oh, yeah. which I was like, fantasy's weird, like yeah. dragons and fairies. Yeah. When I first met Seth, and I like said something, and he was like, "Oh, I like fantasy," and I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I'll give it Sorry. a try." Well, yeah, now I really like it, so I'm oh. like knee deep in this like 2000 page novel <laughs> that Seth read before me. He was like, you should really like, you'll really like it. So, but, um, we like to dabble in a little bit of everything. So yeah. like, if you like historical fiction, uh, I read a book last year about the Athenian Navy and like when they had their golden age, what book was that? Uh, I can't remember. I can oh yeah. We'll, we'll look at the bookshelf. I read one. You can look and give me a titles yeah, yeah, later. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for just sharing a piece of your story. And um, I'm sure people are going to kick me. They're going to be like, why didn't you ask them this? Because <laughs> there's probably so much I could be asking. But I just think your example and just how you guys are living in your marriage is just such a light. And I'm just so blessed that you guys said yes. And yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. It was fun. Uh, fun to talk about. Well, thank you. Be sure to follow on Instagram at The Marriage Project Co. Or check out the website, www.themarriageproject.co, to see all the photos that accompany each testimony behind each matrimony. And be sure to subscribe for the community newsletter to get each episode sent directly to your inbox.